Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Mosaic Life Podcast. Before I introduce today's guest, I have a quick favorite ask of you. If you could take just two minutes of your time to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that goes a long, long way in helping others just like yourself discover the podcast and in turn helps me as a podcaster continue growing and attracting bigger and more interesting guests for you to enjoy. One last note, some of our sharper listeners may remember my conversation with Ashley Mead. I very briefly mentioned that uh, my production PC was taken out by a lightning storm a few weeks ago. Well, this was the last interview I had to record on my laptop, and there were some audio issues. I tried to clean everything up as best as possible, so hopefully none of the context of the conversation is lost. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to either myself or Luke, who is my guest today. And I'm really, really excited to share this conversation between Luke and myself. Health and wellness have been such a major focus in my life over the past several years. And it's only recently that I've started to realize how closely that ties into happiness, which is the theme of this podcast, and how we as individuals can find it within ourselves. And so my guest today is Luke Dupron. He's a men's health and performance coach and host of the Live Great Lifestyle podcast. Luke has done everything from personal training to working alongside doctors of chiropractic as a corrective exercise specialist, training Olympic level athletes to performance work with world champion mixed martial arts fighters. As the host of the Live Great Lifestyle podcast, he interviews former Navy SEALs, New York Times best-selling authors, Olympic athletes, adventure athletes, nutrition experts, doctors, and personal development speakers to inspire and empower you to level up your health, fitness, mindset, and lifestyle. Luke was a participant on the History Channel's show, The Selection, a mock special forces selection process led by Navy SEALs, was a contributing writer for Huffington Post, hosted the La Jolla International Fashion Film Festival, has performed as an actor in local San Diego films, and even embarrassingly, his words, worked as a runway model, which we talk about at the end of the podcast. This was an incredible conversation that scratched many of the itches I've had in relation to health and happiness, and I really, really hope you enjoy it. So please enjoy my conversation with the mighty, mighty Luke Dupron. Yeah, so, I'm in San Diego. We don't think of such things. <laughs> That must be like, nice. Wait, that must light, be incredible. Lightning? Right. Weather? Snow? I miss it, man. I really do. I miss <laughs> it. I think I miss it. But then I realize, you know, you know what I don't miss? Tuesday, February 17th. It's seven degrees and you forgot eggs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's that sounds about right. Um, uh, we haven't had two. Our, whole, two our, our world's on fire, though. So I know that. I know, man. How's it going over there? I mean, it looks kind of bright, but I mean, I've seen pictures of just red skies. Um, man, I'll tell you what, on Friday, it was eerie. It was a very interesting, um, 10 years ago, there's a really bad forest fire here that impacted San Diego. That was the year before I got here or 11 years ago. So this was the first one where, um, I like, I mean, we had ash falling on our house from, I mean, the fires it's 40 minutes, it's 35 minutes away. It's not like there's no, there's zero threat where I'm at, but as far as the air quality, yeah, it was like, it reminded me of like a you know like those really orange lenses on ski goggles yes, that you can yeah, choose yeah. to use that amber uh filter it's yeah. like somebody dropped an amber filter over the ozone layer and it was just this gold look to everything it was quite strange that's insane yeah. that's yeah that's yeah. terrifying 
Um, yeah, for the people who are out in it, oh my god, it's crazy. Again, I'm far enough away that it's just like, oh, the sky's fucking crazy looking, <laughs> and it's it's ash. But I have no threat. So yeah, the people good. who are in it, man, ugh, not yeah. good. I know, I know. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, uh, thank you for for joining me uh, today. I mean, we I've been so excited about this conversation just because when we first connected, just the 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 level of excitement uh, that we had between us, it, it was just infectious. So, so Luke Dupron, thank you for for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, man. It's uh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So um, as we were saying earlier, sunny San Diego. I get to throw that in everybody's face uh, too. No, no kidding, man. <laughs> I'm in a humid. I mean, it is sunny, but humid Columbus, Ohio. Do you know what humidity is? I'm from Illinois, so you yeah, know, you're not going to like to hear this. <laughs> I weirdly miss humidity. Do you really? Do you? Really? I, I, I hate you right a little, now. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's uh, yeah. I you know so let's just jump right into to the fitness aspect of it because I mean that's that's what we're gonna talk a lot about and you know how how that shapes our happiness and our well being but one. I love running. Running is my my sport of choice, followed closely by mountain uh, mountain biking and uh, rock climbing. So those those three things make up the core of my fitness. And so I, when it comes to running hu- in humidity, that is by far one of my least favorite things to do. I've even gone so far as resorting to waking up at six o'clock in the morning just so I can beat it, which is not like me. That is, that's funny. Cause I, one of the few things I remember uh, as somebody who's not a big runner myself, even though obviously I'm in the fitness space. Right. Um, I did used to enjoy in the Midwest on a summer night when it's hotter than hell and humid <laughs> and going for a run and you're just drenched before yeah. you even start. I did, yeah. I did enjoy that. You know, the, the night element does add some appeal to it. I haven't done a whole lot of night running lately, but uh, you are right. There, there is nothing quite like uh, running in the Midwest at uh, 930 at night when the sun is just starting or the, the yeah, the, the sun is just starting to fall away from the horizon and you can tell it's just going to be a gorgeous and clear night. There is something to be said about that. Yes, there's something enjoyable about the the miserableness of the humidity <laughs> in 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 the moment of in the moment of work in the moment of work you are looking right. to expend yourself and uh, I believe it does bring a little uh, there's there's something to it versus wearing your suit and tie going to a work could be a very different experience. Yeah, absolutely. Now, have you ever? I don't know. Are you in the yoga space at all? Do you have you gotten ever done the hot yoga? I have done hot yoga. Um, I have no pro or against. Um, I don't personally use yoga. I use just my own kind of personalized mobility routines. So okay. from a time management standpoint to like go to a yoga class, I'm not going to get enough value add. So I personally don't, uh, right. but I know people that love it. So what is your, I guess, what is, I mean, you personally, I know you, you do a lot of coaching, you work with clients on their, on their health and fitness, but when it comes to your own personal health and fitness, what does that look like? Um, yeah. So as far as like habits, if we were to talk about what really makes up the foundational pieces from health and obviously my coaching philosophy kind of falls into this a bit. Um, so we have to have a level of mobility. So again, you could use something like yoga to deliver that. Um, again, there's some, there's some beautiful perks to using something like yoga. You can go to a class, you have an instructor. Um, there's also a cost to that as far as driving and, and right. time commitment. So there is a level of like pre-required mobility for movement. So I'm going to have a mobility practice. Um, doesn't necessarily mean going to yoga. And then if I, uh, strength training is going to be a foundational piece. Um, in fact, it will be the probably the core piece of what I would do from an exercise point. 
Um, we can dive into like why that kind of a lead domino. And then another pillar, and these are the pillars that I get and, and work with guys to install, would be movement. And movement, just low-level activity, it can be in the form of like running or jogging. It could be in the form of mountain bike, and I'd actually put that in the movement category. Yeah, um, I, I shift it from exercise in my mind, so jujitsu for becomes mo- movement. Hiking becomes movement. Playing in the ocean becomes movement. Being an active, healthy human. I put those in the movement categories, and I actually encourage people to think that way so you can get out of the like strenuous idea that you have to constantly be exercising. So that is a movement camp. And then of course we have to have a nutritional foundation or framework that we navigate with. And and for me, that would be a paleo ish type diet. Talk to me more about that because I, when it comes to my diet and nutrition, I tend to be, I, I tend to be rigid. It, it's, it's with me, it's either all or nothing. And when it comes to sugar, uh, for example, it's, it's nothing. I, I refuse to touch it because I know if I have a little bit of it, then I'm going to be able to justify in my mind, you know, having a cookie here or a cookie there. So I just, I just don't do it. But in regard to paleo, I I've never really followed any strict diet outside of intermittent fasting. I, I tried keto for a little bit, but, uh, paleo it, it's, I, I just never understood exactly what paleo is. Well, okay. So this could get long winded and I'll that's fine. Feel free to yeah, yeah. And cut me off. So I think everything needs to be a, like, what are we trying to do? So at this point, if I'm speaking personally, um, my say body composition is in a position for the most part that, that, um, I'm happy. I mean, I'm not actively trying to diet and lose weight. So many people are approaching nutrition with the fundamental idea of I'm doing a diet versus I'm doing a lifestyle to me, a diet would be a caloric deficit, yeah. which you could be, which could be done with any nutritional framework. So then, when we get into more of like lifestyle eating, like just what is your nutrition? Like what do you eat? Uh, so paleo for me is just a, and I put ish, and that's a right, very important right, right, right. thing to put out there. So paleo to me is just a, it's focusing on meat, vegetables, fruits, nuts, and seeds. And what this does is it removes almost all processed foods. Now there are now processed food paleo products. There's companies that have come out and made like, you know, healthified junk food, but it's just a really easy framework for somebody who um, is trying to clean up their nutrition. Yeah. They want to focus on more of a health practice, meaning eating whole foods. So again, salmon is salmon as steak is steak, as broccoli is broccoli, as peppers are peppers, as a banana is a banana. Um, You know, it used to be popularized as like, the caveman diet, you know, if your great, great, great grandma would recognize it, you could eat it. It's a really easy framework to just focus on eating whole foods. Right. Um, now I put the ish in there because for a lot of people who are maybe trying to step into a lifestyle practice of nutrition, or maybe they are trying to Im- improve their body composition, maybe it's going to be too strict and they need to have a little bit of leeway. Um, for myself, I have leeway, so I do indulge occasionally, um, on anything and everything. Like I have no off limit foods but I have frameworks of how to navigate that because much like you, I would self-identify as a bit of a sugar holic. Meaning if you had a plate of cookies and you said, how many do you want? My answer, <laughs> how many do you have? <laughs> Cause I'm going to eat them all. Yeah. So knowing that I have this tendency to overconsume processed foods as we all do, and we can talk about the science of this is it's super interesting to me and it's, it will leave a ton of stress for people that are struggling with this. Um, by focusing on, you know, eating non-processed foods, my hunger allows to dictate how much I eat, 
yeah. versus again, if we talk about the cookies, you're going to overconsume. So, um, a paleo diet, yes, is just uh, meat, vegetables. It does skew grains, legumes, um, and dairy. Again, all of which, in some context, I will eat. So, I think it's very important to make the distinction for somebody who's maybe listening to this and says, "Hey, my goal is to lose weight." Well, you do have to understand to lose weight. Weight is dependent on your total caloric intake. Right. So how much you eat becomes actually more important than what you eat in the guards to um, losing weight. But as you just mentioned, how much you eat, excuse me, what you eat tends to dictate how much you eat. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So I've never, ever overconsumed asparagus ever. <laughs> and I like, and I like it. I like asparagus, but I will overconsume French fries. So yeah. It doesn't mean to never, it doesn't mean to never have it. And honestly, here's the coaching advice I would give people is you need to recognize much like yourself that you struggle with sugar and you need to set yourself up environmentally for success and you can't have that in the house. It doesn't mean you can't ever have it. And so the, the kind of overarching coaching theme I use is, um, with, with clients is we buy it, um, single serving size at the time we're going to eat it. So it's yeah. like, Hey, if you want like a candy bar occasionally, cool, go to the store or like a bag of chips, have it don't have it in the house because you know what's going to happen. Like there's no, there's no moderation, um, of Oreos for me. Right. <laughs> yeah, I get that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I should kind of clarify to, I guess, to give myself a little bit of credit. I've never been a, a sugar holic per se, but I certainly, I can see a difference in my body physique when it is something that I'm actively consuming. Now, when it comes to, you know, asking the question, how much do you want versus how much do you have? That was my problem with alcohol. And I, I do want to be very specific in that I, I never, I was never, I would never consider myself an alcoholic, but there was a point in time before I quit drinking that if the IPAs were flowing, I would not stop. I just, I, they, I, they go down so easily and they just, they taste so good. And, uh, I just got to a point where I didn't like that about myself. And so I just decided you know, enough's enough. I'm just going to stop doing this. And I, I have certainly noticed a, an improvement in both my, my mental faculties as well as my, my physical characteristics too. So that is, it's very much an addictive part of my personality. So I, I, I get that and I understand why people can struggle with any sort of substance, whether, you know, it's drugs, alcohol, or, or food. Yeah. And food, here's the thing with food. And this is, this is one, this is an article almost becomes required reading for, for the, the guys I coach is, um, and I encourage anybody listening to this who maybe has that same challenge, you know, alcohol is an interesting one to me and myself. I kind of, um, would say, I, in my whole life, has struggled to recognize that alcohol exists on a bell curve, right? That yeah, yeah. more is not better. And I think right. this is true to the fact that as you get drunk, you're literally lowering your inhibitions to, and of course, make poorer decisions. So like right. that, I think, is part of that uh, that comes along with alcohol. With food, you need to understand the manufacturing process. And once you have um, your mind wrapped around how food is manufactured, it's really going to shift your headspace of, how you feel about yourself around food and you'll realize it's not so much you, it's more the food. So, so the article is, I would encourage everyone to read is called the extraordinary science of addictive junk food. And the reason I would encourage you this is if you're somebody who is trying to diet, lose weight, or if you're someone who's just trying to, let's say, eat more healthy, right? Whole, whole foods that you know are, are more health serving you may find yourself struggling to, to not overconsume those, um, those junk foods. And again, just like with alcohol, you realize, man, this is a struggle. Why am I struggling with this? Well, with some of these processed foods, 
the way they impact your body is actually different. And this article just kind of lays it out a little bit and it'll give you some understanding that it's really not you. So if you're somebody who eats a bag of chips or Cheetos and you go through the whole bag and then you beat yourself up about it, it's it's not the fact that you did that. It's that that Cheeto doesn't even enlist, um, it doesn't even create a leptin response. And leptin is the hormone that tells you that you're full. Right. So you plow through right. this entire bag of Cheetos and you don't get the hormonal response that you're full. So then you keep eating and you think, God, I'm a piece of shit. I have no self-control. <laughs> and it's like, well, the self-control needed to come from your purchasing decisions, not from your, um, you can't use that moderation to eat these foods. So uh, another example is just to bring, like hammer this point home, Doritos. So there's no Dorito that is like rosemary or garlic. It's always right. like a multi-flavor. And the reason is there's something called flavor saturation. And they realize that if they made a chip flavored like rosemary, your taste buds, that rosemary satisfies this little, um, I don't know if it's a synapse or whatever, your, your taste bud, it gets satisfied. But when you look at a, a chip like nacho cheese, it has six different cheese flavor profiles. So it keeps your taste buds constantly guessing and trying to figure out what this is and you don't get what's called flavor saturation as quickly so you will eat more of them they know the amount of pressure that is required from your teeth to crunch a chip that will make you eat the most and so once you have this understanding you can kind of step back and realize like okay i'm not it's not that i don't it's not that I'm completely lacking self-control. It's just you're lacking right. awareness of how these foods impact you. Yeah. So, um, and this is so important, man, because I see so many people where it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did. I did that. And then the, the, the negative self-talk, the lack of the workout the next day, and the negative snowball that takes place and pulls them off track when really if you just recognize, hey, that's a, that's a hyper palatable, highly manipulative food to my taste buds. Everybody tends to overconsume it. You know what? I need to do a better job of controlling the environment not have it in the house. And then when I do have it, buy it in single serve uh, size. So you can then just continue moving on towards your, your journey, whatever it is. Absolutely. And, you know, to your point, that snowball effect, people, people don't seem to give themselves permission to fail and to start over each day being a new day. And I, I was like that for a long time, especially when it came to meditation. I, I had developed a practice that I was really proud of that I, I was really getting a lot out of. But when I would miss a day, I would beat myself up over it, which would in turn affect my next session of meditation, which goes on and on and on. So I, I certainly understand, oh, I had a bag of chips yesterday you know, I'm not going to work out today because it's going to be negated. I, that, that, that feeling is all too real. And so I can, how do you overcome something like that? How do you, how do you, how do you create that escape function so you can break out of that loop? Well, so I think again, first that recognition of like why it's happening. So again, just by understanding like a little bit of that physiology can tend to, um, relieve some of that guilt to just yeah. keep you a little bit emotionally up to then make a next better move. Um, and then I ultimately, I think it's not looking at days and having flexibility. So like take a missed workout to me, it's like, well, there's no big deal with a workout because we're going to do another one. And so we just bump that one down the line. Right. Uh, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs who are pretty busy. So oftentimes we'll set like a KPI of like, Hey, we're gonna get three workouts in this week. Something very well could come up. But yeah. you could always just bump it and then you bump the next thing. And at the end of the week, you can still actually have hit that KPI. So it really is just this idea of coming into this, that like you're playing a long game, that this is not some short, like 14 day challenge that you're doing. Right. This is a lifestyle commitment. And when you have that lifestyle commitment, there is going to be a level of variability that happens. 
that's natural. It happens with every single one um, or every single person. And I think if you have that long-term commitment and if you have a big why and a big reason of why you're doing it, it will always pull you back on track and you'll recognize like, hey, that was a, you know, that was just a little hiccup. It was a speed bump. It's not a derailment. It doesn't pull you off and change future, future habits. And, and I love the saying, like, you don't compound one negative decision with another. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that idea of, or I guess that example of working with entrepreneurs, uh, myself being one, you can feel yourself so overwhelmed with having to get an endless list of work done or, you know, hit an endless list of deadlines. And so making time for yourself can at times seem overwhelming and damn near impossible. And so I have to imagine, you know, somebody like yourself can you have to work in an, in, a, in a coaching capacity where it's not just physical, but it's mental too. Can you speak a little bit to that and how you work with your clients in that regard? Uh, absolutely. So the first is we have to develop our big why. Um, and, and the big why needs to be a deep core driver of why you're doing this. Because the reality is we're looking to make some lifestyle shifts yeah. um, and, and, and develop habits. Like I said, anybody can do, you know, a th- you, know you want to do a 30-day sit-up challenge at work. It's like, well, first off, mechanically terrible idea. It's like anybody can do anything for 30 days. Right. I'm so much more impressed when I see somebody who's worked out three days a week for three months or six months or a year. They'll And they'll have the better result as well yeah. um, than the person who does a 30-day sprint. So I do think the first step, you have to develop a big why and you need to come up with a, a real clear, tangible, and it can honestly, I'll have guys write this out. Like, what is the mantra? What is the purpose and the reasoning? And you need to tether and leverage as many pieces of this as possible. So, you know, if you're a dad, a very simple question, who's walking your daughter down the aisle, you or another man. And right. it's like, that will get a guy off his ass. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like, yeah. Like, are you going to be here? things like that, like where there's a deeper piece when you're thinking, I don't really want to do that workout. And if you can authentically enroll yourself in that belief of its importance, you will stay in the game on the long-term side. Um, To help with that, also need to pivot and start thinking and shifting into identity-based decisions. So um, the easiest way is how can you just tack on like the fit version of whatever you currently kind of hold as an identity? And this is really important. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll go down a little bit of a uh, path here if it's okay. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, so when I used to do more personal training before moving my business to more online coaching, I would get frustrated because people would have success and then they would kind of fall back off. And I remember working one day with a client and he goes, said something and he goes, well, this is easy for you. You're a fitness guy. And it really struck me because I'm like, hey, we'll call him John. I'm like, John, like you're out three days a week. That's all I'm working out right now. Right. And since I'm training you, you kind of have my philosophy of exercise. We're kind of doing the same thing. Like you're a fitness guy, but he never stepped into that ownership of that identity. And so then for him to make decisions later in the day that would support that identity, they weren't falling in line. Right. So a great example is just say you're a lawyer and it's like, well, okay, you need to take on the lawyer, the, the identity of like be the fit lawyer. And it seems like a semantic if you start making decisions through that lens, now you will order something that's going to be different when the secretary comes in and he goes, hey, what does everybody want? Well, you as a fit lawyer will shift your decision making. And, and the more we can shift into this, we don't have to all become professional athletes or bodybuilders or fitness models or any of the other nonsense that is taken over the fitness industry. You just need to shift into a thinking that supports um, or a way of being that supports things that are already important to you. And the reality is whether you're a parent whether you're a business owner, I don't care what you are, 
it will be improved if you improve your health and fitness. Period. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I mean, you looking at your life through the lens of the person you want to be, that's such an important lesson to portray. And um, it's something that I, you know, prior to Ernie leaving the podcast that we talked about multiple times, you know, I, I, I love writing, but I have not made time for myself to, to actually write over the last couple of years. So I don't consider myself a writer. It's, it's having that integrity to live with the identity that's, that you want to portray. So if you want to be, you know, fit, as you said, you know, live your life through that lens and actually make the active decisions, not only while you're working out, but uh, the, the, t the hours outside of it too. So you can support that goal and that, that the identity later down the line. I really, really love that message and I hope it resonates with people. Yeah. And, you know, and I see it on the flip side, right. Of, um, it can come down to our language, of course, right. The language can be powerful. Um, and, and I've seen that work negatively against myself. Right. Uh, I remember being at a, doing a personal development seminar where I like, I wrote down that like, I'm not a good writer and I don't like writing. I, right. I host a, you know, I host a podcast for that reason, rather than writing books. Sure. Um, but, but it doesn't mean I couldn't write a book. Uh, but I better shift that, that verbiage. And what was funny is, uh, at that, um, this experience, this, we were going through this worksheet and as I'm writing down, I'm a bad writer. Uh, a gentleman next to me asked if asked me if I could put his pad and paper on the floor because it's easier for him to write there because he's a quadriplegic. Yeah. And I look over and he's writing with his pencil in his mouth. <laughs> and I thought, well, I don't, and I, and I looked down at my paper and it says, I find writing difficult. <laughs> so I just needed a little perspective. Yeah. And sometimes we did. And, and by the way, then later that year, I ended up writing for like the Huffington Post for like a year. Yeah. So sometimes it's just a perspective shift and recognizing like, Hey, we do have the capacity to do some of these things that currently we think are hard. And maybe there's an internal resource um, that's lacking. And maybe there's an external resource that's lacking, like a food service. Like maybe there's an opportunity where, Oh wow. I can get like deliciously made uh, meals that just show up and they're already, like made and good and I like eating them. Like right. that's just an external tool that you plug into your life and all of a sudden, wow, this made it really easy. So oftentimes I think there's the eternal, the internal and the external um, resources that we have to kind of figure out which one's lacking. And oftentimes it's a mixture of both. And then we start plugging them in. Yeah. Well, talk, speaking of the Huffington Post, uh, I read an article that you had written when it comes to fad diets, when it, when it comes to you know, the, the, I guess the fitness industry, I, let's, let's shift a little bit. Let's talk about social media. And we talk about how people are posted, posting these pictures that make it look like they are more fit than they actually are. So uh, what's your take on that? What's your take on social media? I know there's, there's value to it, but every person I talk with, you know, there's so many negative aspects to it. Just trying to breed overnight success, which is, it's not a thing in the fitness world and the entre in the entrepreneurial space. There's just, there's no such thing as overnight success. So how dangerous is that when it comes to somebody's health? It is something that I am constantly battling. Um, I'll be honest. I'm more worried for, I think women than I am men in this regard. Um, yeah. you know, if I had a young daughter, I would be so concerned of a eating disorder that could pop up. Right. Um, men as well. It is, yeah, it's a mess. Um, and, and, and the fitness industry as a whole, I'll kind of just like, uh, I know the article you're referencing. Um, I, I always, I always joke and say, I feel like an anti fitness fitness person because <laughs> what is what people think they have to do to be, to reap the benefits, 
the amazing benefits of being happy, being happy with your body, being happy with how you feel, having more energy, having more confidence, all the amazing things that happen when you take true ownership of yourself and, and your health and fitness. Yeah. Very few of those come from what I think most people think it takes, which is like, you don't have to paint yourself orange and get on stage and, and do a bodybuilder competition. Um, you don't have to meal prep every single thing and count every single calorie. Those are good tools at times if needed. Sure. And so the lens of what I think people look at what being healthy and fit is, it's very skewed. And I think it's very skewed by social media. Um, I think it's very skewed by the marketing of everything is ideological right now. Meaning, again, I told you I like a paleo it diet and I have some reasonings on that, but it's not the only way. Right. Whereas right now everything is very it's, it's a camp, right? Like, oh, keto is the way to go. And it's like, well, keto worked for you. And we can talk about the science of why keto worked called a caloric deficit. That's what it made you do to lose weight. Same right. thing with intermittent fasting in that sense when it comes to actually losing weight. But everything is, I almost want to say like politicized to where it is, everything is offered as the solution. I know. And there is no one solution outside of taking a long-term approach. And there's some health benefit. There's some health problems. If you crash diet and you buy in all the BS supplements and you starve yourself, like you're going to just lose more muscle mass. You won't look as good. You won't feel as good, but the short-term fixes, man, you can sure sell them. (laughs) Yeah. There's two things. There's two things I realize that sell in, uh, in this space. And when you think about it, it's, it's what you'll see extreme workout programs, right? That we have like CrossFit again, I like CrossFit, but like you don't have to do CrossFit to get fit right? or six minute detox BS solutions. (laughs) You know, what's the least sexy thing to market workout three times a week, right? Eat eat moderately healthy, do it for the long haul. You'll feel amazing. You'll look amazing, but like, that's not sexy. That's not sexy to market. So where does like a P90X fall into that, uh, that, that, that category? Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of P90X. I look at it as a, an inefficient route to get people where they want to go. Yeah. Um, I come from a, a biomechanics background in, the, in that I worked in a corrective, I was a corrective exercise specialist for a while working in a rehab studio. So um, I have a, um, I have a big desire to have people move correctly. Right. And what P90X is doing is it's creating, it's trying to force the, the caloric deficit through the workout program when it would be better to do a little bit more restricted uh, or strict resistance training to stimulate the muscle and then try to make the caloric deficit up through the nutrition. It's kind of bringing it all together. And the problem when you're doing like these boot campy type things and jumping things, you're relying on volume of movement. Yeah. Meaning like, okay, 20 more seconds of this. And you need to recognize your body can always do more of an exercise wrong than right. Right. So it will start to default on its biomechanics to allow you to continue to do a movement. It gets you there by actually activating less muscle fiber. And then I think the rate of injury is going to go up significantly. So I guess along those lines with, uh, with, with Tony from P90X or anybody on Instagram um, or just even fitness gurus in general, when I think of, I don't know, when I, when I think of the term quack, Truly, I mean, Dr. Oz comes to my to, to my mind and I, I just I don't understand how it's possible for people who are not qualified to give fitness or nutrition advice to be in the public's eye and have people listen to what they have to say. 
I, I don't I don't know what your opinions are of any of those people. I, I would love to hear them, but how? Like you said, I mean it's 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 a it's a full it's a it's a full approach. You have to mind, body, uh, uh, nutrition, everything. It has to be one total package. So how do you co- combat this bad advice that people are getting because they're on mass media platforms? Yeah, uh, great question. I wish I had a really definitive answer for you. Um, yeah, Dr. Oz. Wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're not friends with him, are you, or anything that I offend no, you? No, ra- okay. raspberry ketones and all this nonsense. I've yeah, seen. yeah. Um, you know, it's. I think actually back in the day, Dr. Oz. I've seen him. He was a. Um, what's the person that kind of moderates? I've watched him moderate some, um, some really intellectual conversations in the medical space, and I was like, wow, this guy's like smart knows his stuff and then yeah he just went for the money yeah um yeah uh how do you how do you combat that i mean to me it's almost like kind of like the news right if you're somebody who's just you're every single piece of the the media it's like you're going to be so overwhelmed and you have to take a step back um often if it sounds too good to be true it is i mean there's just no there's just really no way to expedite changes in your physiology right um and ultimately, like, man, you're robbing yourself of the greatest gift, which is I hate to say it because nobody probably wants to hear it when they're in that space. But it's actually getting to do the work and yeah. step in and grow. Yes. There's so much value. And like, I, I always say, like, exercise, the simplest form of personal development. It is the easiest path to prove that, prove that like a growth mindset is real, that if you put in consistent hard work, things will change. Absolutely. And so it is its own tool to leverage and um, for people that step into it with kind of that growth mindset, uh, they're going to way ahead of the game. But you just you got to kind of man, it's just like a business, right? Like if somebody came to you and said, listen, I got this way. <laughs> if you get three <laughs> friends where you can make a million, like you, you, your yeah. red flag goes. And I think I, I actually feel bad for people because I think there's a level of desperation that has happened from yeah. trying too many things that failed. And you're just grasping for something to work. Um, and I know you you referenced the article I wrote for the Huffington Post, and I'd encourage also people to look at that one. Is I faked my before and after photos, and meaning like I just changed my posture. And it's I can crazy. make myself look significantly different. Yeah, I mean, they, you, you just without any context, looking at those pictures, you can it, you really get the sense that these are months apart, as you said in the article. But I mean, as you said, it was what three hours between each of those pictures. Yeah. Yeah, I just did a pump. I did poor posture, which, by the way, if you do bad exercise, will take you to poor posture. Um, and then I did a workout, got pumped up, had uh, put a little coconut oil on, flexed, and I can <laughs> I can make my body look significantly different. I've lost 16 pounds in less than 24 hours using weight cutting that off uh, jitsu. Right? Yeah. Like there's there's ways to make some very creative marketing. Um, just the other day, I was on Fiverr. Fiverr, you can for five dollars, a fitness professional can buy over two thousand before and afters to use commercially for their programs. And and that 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 was one listing I found, and it was sold like one hundred eighty times. That's insane. So it's like, so if it sounds too good to be true, it is. No one has discovered a new secret discovery or any other marketing nonsense. But at the same time, I'd really encourage people to understand it is not as hard, I think, as most people think either. You don't have to work out crazy. You need to do it smarter, not harder. And again, that is taking a long-term approach. Um, but man, the 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 return on your investment by, hate to, if I'm allowed to use language, use getting it. your shit together yes. within your health and fitness, it, it's going to impact every facet of your life, relationships, relationship with yourself, 
uh, your energy at work, um, again, your overall well-being. Uh, th there's just nothing that's not going to be improved. It's like such a it's such a dynamic lever to be able to pull. And the beauty is everyone has the capacity to pull that lever. Yeah, yeah. Relationship with yourself that's so important, and that's I think people put place priority on their relationships with others so much more than they do with themselves. And if you can't take care of yourself, you're not going to be, be able to take care of somebody else. So having that foundation of, of, of great nutrition, of, of great uh, uh, fitness, and just having that solid understanding of what it is your body needs to be able to find that confidence and that, that, uh, that um, I guess self-awareness to know that you're in a great place, that's, that's incredibly important. Um, I want to shift. Yeah, but and you can have some money with it too. I think you know, like it's a, it's like you get to go use it. Yeah, <laughs> like you get to go hike. You get to go play in the ocean. You get to you get to hike further. You get to go to Europe and you'll walk along along Italy longer. Like like there's such a value add. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's so much better than I, I just I can't imagine being in a position where you're physically incapable because of poor health. And, I, and I, that terrifies me about getting older, by the way, being in such a bad place where you can't leave your house or leave, you know, let alone the city limits that, that there's nothing that scares me more than that. So putting in the work now as, as a 35 year old myself, or even as a, a 20 year old listening, that is going to be such a great investment in your future life. Dude, I, I couldn't agree. Uh, couldn't agree more. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's an investment that you get all the return on. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like it's almost a self, it's a, it's a selfish thing to do in a way. <laughs> right. Um, but at the same time, it impacts other people as well. And, uh, you know, here's, here's a guy that I always like to share. Um, cause it's, it's of recent that I've, when I've been coming on shows, um, I have a client, Jeff, who he's nine or maybe about to just 50. And, he just rode for the first time. He just rode 350 miles in three days on a bike. The most oh, he had wow. ever done was a hundred miles at one time. Wow. And it was, yeah, it was an amazing experience. He got to see all this cool stuff. He inspired a lot of people That's and cool. he pushed past a, a limit and he's, he's just grown the capacity of what he can do. And at the end of it, I was like, Hey, it wasn't that hard. Was it? And he's like, oh, I thought it would have <laughs> been. And it's like, he's just improved and he can do more. And Jeff would not be able to have had that experience. Yeah. Um, and so your experience through life is absolutely being impacted by this meat sack that is taking us through it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's well said. I like that. It's very blunt. I, that's, that's my favorite way. That's, that's awesome. Um, let's move back to food for, for a second and talk about quality of food. Obviously, process is garbage. We don't want that. But I'd kick myself if I didn't bring this up because I was recently recommended by a previous podcast guest to read Eating Animals by Jonathan Saffron Fower. Um, while it did not by any means convince me to go vegetarian or vegan, um, I am more concerned about where my meat comes from. Can you talk more about that? Um, and, you know, is that a concern of yours? Are, are you interested in grass-fed animals, making sure that there's no antibiotics. I mean, how carefully do you pay attention to that when it comes to your meat and protein? Um, yeah. So first off, I'll throw the asterisk of, I am not a registered dietitian, so I'm sharing my personal opinion and I'll sure. share what I've seen work the best for individuals. Um, so I do personally eat animal products. The majority of the people I've worked with choose to and tend to have, um, I think better results. Right. Also, it's depending on what that means. Um, when they do choose to use animal proteins, it is an easier way to source all the necessary amino acids. It can be done through a vegetarian diet. 
diet. It's just going to need to be a bit more um, well thought out, a little bit more meticulous. Right. Um, so if unless you're a current vegetarian and you're trying to in- improve your health, I would suggest sticking in a mixed diet because, A, it's going to make that shift easier. Um, but to answer your question as far as the quality of food, yeah, this is something that I personally um, – I do a good job. I have access comparatively to many people to make it much easier. That's so as good. I give myself a nice pat on the back, understand my ability here in San Diego to grass beefs at reasonable prices, accessible right. – um, it is possibly much easier than somebody else's circumstances. So um, you have to kind of keep that in mind. Um, you know, there was a, a gal on my podcast who uh, just wrote the book Sacred Cow, where they've done some really interesting um, research on, you know, the act environmental. Uh, the real answer is this, particularly if you're concerned about the environment. It's like vegetarians are screwing the environment up and so are uh, cow eaters or cow eaters. So are people that eat animals. Yeah, yeah. The answer really is in restorative um, rotational agriculture. And uh, that is a whole bigger conversation of how we're going to fix the planet. Um, cattle can actually be a net negative when it comes to CO2 when raised correctly. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're somebody who's just starting out, it's like I, I would I would challenge forward with this mindset of, hey, do the best you can right now with where you're at. Right. Down the road, you know, if we said, hey, okay, right now you need to eat all grass-fed beef, locally sourced organ from your local farm you need to uh, throw the chicken coop in your back like you're no one's going to do that so you know try to try to move the needle as as best you can take that first down the line you might get into some of that um but yeah to answer your question i do try to do as as good of a job and i'll be honest i think it's probably more for animal weather and concern than it is mine um i think some of the you know if you eat like a lean steak i don't think you're really too concerned um if it was not completely grass finished um right. yes i would I'm, I'm 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 fortunate i'm lucky I, out here it's pretty easy to get grass fed and that would be actually the only thing i would ever buy out here <laughs> as i realize as i'm getting deeper i'm like actually that's all i buy <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, and and something uh, well, i'll say here's a tool for people is um you can look up oh god it's like eat fresh there's a website where you can look at and not that everybody again can afford this they don't have the fe- freezer access but you can do cow share where you in with a group um, cool. and can get reasonable prices. And if you're in the Midwest and you have like a big freezer, it's like, oh man, I'd be getting deer and all the local stuff that I could. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I do want to um, really hone in on a point you made and removing as many barriers to entry as you possibly can to eating healthy. Like you, like you said, nobody's going to set up a, a chicken coop in their backyard. But what I personally did was just I, I looked at my local farmer's market. I mean, I'm in Columbus, Ohio. It's a fairly big city and there are they're spread out throughout all throughout the town. And I actually had the opportunity to sit down uh, to stand around and talk with the farmers who were raising these animals and just ask the questions out of my complete ignorance to really help educate me. And it was that simple. And honestly, people I think people have the perception that healthy food is so much more expensive at least in this particular instance, grass-fed beef or, you know, um, pasture-raised chickens, they are not that much more expensive than you would get in a Kroger or a Giant Eagle, which was fascinating to me and really made me feel good to be able to make a better decision for my body. Yeah. And and I'll, I'll put this out there. It's like, I haven't had, (laughs) I haven't had a New York in years. I wish I could, (laughs) but out here at all in Whole Foods, it's like, it's $29 a pound. It's like, I can't afford that now right. what i do actually get there i get like a chuck roast and i have the dude put it on a deli slicer and i slice steaks out of this roast meat and for me yeah, i like it um so 
Yeah, it can definitely. I mean, there's some crazy. Again, uh, I'm speaking of Whole Foods out here, right, in, right, in right, San Diego. And it's like, I'm like, I've been eyeing this one salmon for the last ten years, thinking, who bought this forty nine dollars uh, like eight ounce <laughs> salmon? I'm like, I could eat three of those. It's like that's a hundred and fifty dollar meal. Like that's never. That's not happening. Right. So you got to find something that sticks legit. And then, um, and and I would say this. This is again kind of coming back to a, a coaching tenant is you have to have go to meals and go to restaurants. There's ways to eat out. Um, uh, again, so if I were to eat out, I'm going to be a little less picky as far as understanding that the food quality may not be as good, right. um, but I'm doing the best I can, again, within the framework of where I'm at. Uh, but you need to find some go-to meals. I mean, it, you cannot shift your diet from thinking you're going to be going from eating Wendy's to you're going to have plain chicken breast and raw broccoli. Yeah, like That's not going to happen. It's not right. going to stick and it's not necessary. But you could take that, you could take, you know, onions, bell peppers, chicken, steak, whatever it is is and some avocado and all of a sudden it's like you just had a really incredible fajitas and you can make that and it tastes incredible so there's ways to find meals that are going to support your nutritional framework support your body composition goals and that you like eating them and when you identify these and you start to bring them in consistently it almost gets really easy because why would you not eat something that you like that tastes good but also moves you towards your goals yeah absolutely i think I think something that I've personally struggled with in the past is when I find those healthy, uh, you can call them alter alternatives if you want to, but when I find those healthy meals, I get concerned with not having enough variety. It's not that I'm, I've got this, you know, sophisticated palate and I, I need all these different flavors. It's just, I want to make sure that I'm getting the right nutrients from a variety of sources. And so I get overwhelmed in that sense that it, I should shouldn't be eating chicken every night for dinner. I need to mix in, you know, my greens and, and every other element uh, that I need. So I can, coming from somebody who gets analysis paralysis in the kitchen, what, what's the best way just to work out, you know, four or five meals that you can rotate. And so you don't get burnt out on one particular item. Yeah. I think you just kind of nailed it. So again, like, um, those go-to meals, it, it, it shouldn't just be one. Um, you have, um, these are just tools in your tool belt, right? So yeah, my personally, like I'm going to have eggs most mornings, some eggs and berries. Yeah. And it's like, it's amazing. I've been eating eggs forever and I haven't yet got really sick of them. And then I have to change how I make them. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, scrambled eggs are terrible. And then I make <laughs> over easy and I love them also. And I've done that for years. So like I have a high level of consistency there. Yeah. But, um, when it comes to like for nutrients, particularly, yes, we need to have, I think a, a variety of, of, um, you know, vegetables and, and that's an easy, just, you know, change of pace. So, uh, you know, if I roasted some chicken thighs, I could easily do some pan roasted tomatoes and, and sauteed spinach or something. And the right. next day it's like, oh, maybe it's some roasted carrots or whatever it is. And again, that can be, I, I'm a very boring eater because um, I, 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 as much as I like cooking, I'm not going to follow recipes that are like really complex. Yeah. So you can make it as, you can make it as complex and you can make it as simple as possible. That's up to you. Um, and that's a personality choice. But I do think having some variety, particularly on the vegetable fruit side, to try to cover those micronutrients, um, I think that's important. I do personally use a greens powder. Uh, I do that simply to help also cover that micronutrient um, kind of threshold. So again, there's a level of supplementation that comes. Uh, but it's funny that it's, it's interesting that we're having that conversation when we're trying to eat healthy, but like, are we worried about that? If we're eating Big Macs and all the other crap that like, are we covering all our nutrition? <laughs> right. Right. So if you're going from uh, that to like, just to eat more whole foods, you're probably making an improvement, uh, truthfully. Yeah. So speaking of, I, you mentioned supplements, we, we've talked a little bit about them and previously, 
Uh, what's your feeling toward them? Uh, I, I know when it comes to, I, I guess I've read specific things from you in regard to workout supplements and whatnot. And, but when it comes to, you know, supplementing, I don't know, vitamin D, for example, I, I supplement vitamin D, magnesium, and I just started taking fish oil as well. What's your, what are your thoughts on all of those? I mean, is the industry just blown out of proportion where everything that we can get in our body, people rush to, to rush to buy or what's, what's healthy and what's not? Again, I'm going to throw out the definitely not a nutritionist, right, not right. making any prescriptions here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everything that you just said, I think is smart to take. I do take, um, I take fish oil myself strategically in that um, I use fish oil when I know I'm having um, some type of inflammatory vegetable in my diet, meaning, hey, I'm having chips and salt because remember that's part of my issue occasionally or I ate out and I know it was probably cooked in like a safflower or sunflower oil that's a, a more of an inflammatory oil right um, I will take some fish oil to help balance that out on days that I'm having salmon it's like well I'm not going to take any fish oil so um, I, I think the overarching thing to say about supplements is this um, you should approach them as tools of convenience not solutions to problems if you do that you're probably going to avoid the, the mistake of, again, falling into that marketing trap of thinking yeah. that a supplement is doing more than it is. Yeah. It's really meant to fill a gap. Um, you know, things like vitamin D and magnesium, like if I was somebody who is having some like hardcore health issues, well, I, I would get more details and I would get more data on that. Right. I'd work with a, you know, functional medicine specialist, a naturopath, somebody to run labs and actually be like, you are like, we can quantify that you are deficient in vitamin D and that you do need to. So some of this you can get real data on. And I don't think it's crazy expensive to do anymore. Um, but as far as like from like a general supplementation route, I think, uh, you know, myself, I use protein powders, protein bars, again, from a place of sheer convenience. They are nothing different than having the piece of chicken or the piece of steak. I use a green powder to uh, cover my, my micronutrient basis. And then I, again, I tactically use fish oil. That's awesome. So uh, as we kind of bring this to a close here, I do want to ask what is, what's up and coming when it comes to I guess the science behind what you do. I mean, I know dietary restrictions and recommendations are changing daily, hopefully sometimes for the better, other times for profit, it seems, but is what, what are we going to be seeing in the next couple of years in regard to the shifts in the industry? I was going to make a joke and say, well, it'll probably come full circle. We'll go back to where now seven small meals is the way to go. Sure. We'll be high carb, low <laughs> fat, <laughs> uh, whatever the opposite of keto is right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but to, to answer that a little bit more seriously, um, I think there's going to be at times we're going to have more challenges. Again, when I think of like the processed food, I think of our lives being more sedentary. Yeah. The ease of uh, ability to. To, to not have to do things, um, self-driving cars, like, right, we're going to go on longer travel probably. Yeah. Um, the social media side of the, the psychological aspects of, of uh, training and, and, and food. Um, but then on the flip side, we're going to have tech that's going to really help us. And, you know, food delivery and food, um, having healthy food made for you, um, access to maybe more time. People are going to, you know, now with, with COVID, more people are working from home. Now maybe you can carve out that that workout that you didn't think to. Um, so I think the future, hopefully for many people, is bright. But I will say the environment may not always support you. It's going to come down to your internal desire to overcome that regardless of the circumstances, regardless of that there's new food inventions that taste so good or that there's new work challenge. You're going to step in, step up. You're going to overcome and you're going to take full control of it regardless of what happens. Um, so I, I, I hope people 
and and it's hard until you're there recognize the tremendous value that will come when you do take control of that and yeah. and if you do that there's i won't say like nothing that can stop you but you you have you have everything in your capacity to right the ship in your health and fitness. it's nothing that's meant just for bodybuilders and athletes and um, i don't think there's anything in the future that should stop people from being able to be a healthy human because that should be our normal natural state that's perfect that is absolutely perfect i I know so many people need to hear that because everybody gets so overwhelmed by, by what's out there and the convenience of, like you said, fast food and 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 uh, having that so readily readily available to us and and setting yourself up for success. I think is more important than anything. Getting rid of the the Doritos in your kitchen and filling it with healthy snacks. That's incredible advice. Um, in regard to what you need. I, I, you know, one question I've been asking my guests as, as we get on here is, um, as you continue to grow, you're a podcaster, you're, you're a coach, uh, what are some of the resources that you're looking for to continue growing your pursuits? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, hmm. Well, I would say, and, and this kind of lends to people listening to this and it's like, oh, again, going back to that easy for you to say, Luke, you're fit. You've always, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, I have my areas of struggle too. And, and it's kind of the same thing. I have to, I guess, equip myself internally and externally with resources. And, um, so for me, I think there's going to be, um, organizational tools are going to be useful as somebody who's doing a lot of different things in my business. Um, and, and that's an area that I struggle. Um, I'm not naturally a type A and organized person, (laughs) something I was sitting and working on today. So I think, organizational, structural components. Um, and I think some of that also comes back to that personality-based decision-making. And uh, so I would say that's the thing that I will be leaning into and leveraging um, because I am actually was doing some of it today. <laughs> that's great. Well, good. Uh, Luke, I really appreciate it. Uh, a couple more things before we go. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I love asking my guests just simply because it really, I don't know, I, I always say that it, it's a selfish pursuit because I like knowing what tools and resources uh, people are using to help propel themselves forward. And one of the, the tools and the tools that I've been using forever is a good book. And those books have helped me achieve what I have achieved thus far in my life. And I, I give them full credit for that. And so I'm always curious, what is the single most life-changing book that you've ever read? And I, you know, the, the book you mentioned, I have never heard of. So if you can talk a little bit about it and what effect it's had in your life would be awesome. Yeah. And there's a few, but I believe it would have been Dr. uh, Dispenza's breaking the habit of being you. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. This is a book that for a lot of people, you're going to read it and it's going to be very woo woo. And I will be the first to say, I think there's some scientific liberties have been taken with the (laughs) quantum, with the quantum world. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, and this is something I've, I've noticed working with people, I've worked with a lot of people who have been successful in stepping into more of a lifestyle focus, but I've also seen people that, that weren't right. And so it's like, man, what, what, did, where did I fail them as a coach? How wasn't I able to support them? Why weren't they, re- why weren't they ready? Um, whatever the case may be. What I've realized with a lot of people and myself included in my areas of struggle, it's, there's often an emotional component where I'm just not in a space to be productive, to make good decisions. And this book, um, lays it out really well to kind of help you understand, you know, that our, that our personality can be more pliable, right? That the example of 
you know, we all know the grumpy old man. And it's like, well, why is he the grumpy old man? And it's like, well, something happened in his life that really was real, right? Maybe his yeah. house burned down and he lost his entire family, like something traumatic. But if he didn't get out of that state of mind and that state of being and his body, his body starts to recognize that as homeostasis. Right. And so now the neurochemicals that are going to be released from his brain and his body to match that state. And he kind of gets stuck there. And I've seen it in myself with the, with the emotions of frustration um, to where something that shouldn't set me off is. And it's because I'm kind of st stuck in a cycle of frustration. Yeah. I've seen it in clients as well with overwhelm. This is a big one. Overwhelm and stress. So now when they, ha when they're, when they, when they have that choice to make a healthy choice at the restaurant, they self-sabotage and eat the, like the worst thing they possibly could have got, like a margarita pasta and everything else. And it's like, why? And it's like, well, yeah. we weren't in a good emotional state to make positive decisions. Right. And this book really highlighted that for me. And it also offers some meditation to help you shift your own emotional state um, to a place where you can be productive. Um, and, and for myself, I'm somebody who will, if there's a wall and there's a door, I'm going to smash my head through that wall. And it's nice to say, like, I have a lot of grit and determination, but that also means I'm an idiot at times <laughs> and uh, I should take the door. And I feel like this is if you can't shift your emotional state into a positive place, it's like uh, you're just gonna, I'm just going to keep pounding away at that that wall. Yeah. I'm not even going to be able to recognize that there was a door. It's like, dude, there's a door. There's an option right here. And I didn't even see it because I'm just I'm in this heightened stress mode and I'm going, going, going. Yeah. And that book was, was very useful to highlight how that happens to us. It gave me a little bit of a biological look at it as far as, hey, our body's just reinforcing what it thinks is homeostasis. Our body is driving this, but then also a tool to shift your awareness into a new state of being. Um, and this is almost like, it sounds, again, this sounds all woo and hippie. This is almost like no different than like acting. Um, and, I, and I've done some acting classes to where it's That's like, right. I've yeah. been on a stage full, full, fully crying and I'm actually upset. Yeah. But we can also just go into full elation as well. We could be very happy and we could step into happiness if that would be a more productive um, emotional state to, to make decisions from. But we have to have tools to pull us into those positions so we Absolutely. can be, you know, more, more productive. Absolutely. I struggle with that myself. Now, just, you know, just to clarify, you were a runway, runway model too, right? <laughs> no, no, no. This is a funny story though. <laughs> so uh, I put this in my bio because again, I, I tell people this. If you step into exercises just as a challenge to improve yourself, as just a, like, I'm just going to see if I get better, if I can improve, right. yes. get out of my comfort zone. It's such a different place and it's so less heavy than like, I have to improve my health. My doctor said my, this is up. And it's like, well, why not take it from a place of like, I'm going to see what I got. I'm going to see what I'm made of. This intimidates me. So I'm going to try it. Yeah. And if you do it from this place of challenge, I think it's really useful. Absolutely. And uh, so I use the, the, I use the runway example. So I am here in California and I do have a agent here in San Diego and LA. And I have done what is called print modeling. Print modeling is, is for somebody who you can't be so damn good looking that if somebody opened up a page, they wouldn't ever look at the ad and you can't be so hideous that like as anybody can be a print model. You know, like when you watch when you, when you open something or you watch something, you don't notice these people cause they're right. print models about whatever the, whatever the thing is, um, the product is. And so, uh, I had my, Hey, what are you doing this weekend? I, I, I need you to do something for me. I'm like, well, what's up? I'm free. And in this industry, you tend to try, they need you to say yes, right? When opportunities right. come along. Right. And so I had the opportunity, he goes, I need you to uh, do this runway show. And I'm like, huh? 
like <laughs> fashion runway, like walk down the, like the, the thing. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. Like as soon as I hear, I'm like, I'm gonna be embarrassed. This sounds like, I don't want to do this. And as soon as I went to that space, I was like, yep, I'll be there. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I have to do this now. Cause I don't, the fact that I had anxiety towards it, yeah. I was feeling nervous and insecure about it. And I thought, well, I gotta go do that now. Uh, and now, and that was the, the green light to do it. And of course, you know, um, afterwards when I get there, I'm like, I realize I'm not even, uh, none of the clothes, they had to resize everything because I'm technically not big enough, tall or tall enough to be a, a fashion model. Uh, right. And, uh, it was, it was hilarious. Cause you know, we had to, I'm like, I can do this, Luke. I've actually taught people mechanically how to walk. Like I've done corrective exercise and taught people how to walk. I can walk down to the end of this and then strike my pose. And of course, when we get there, it was a little more involved in that. And, uh, it was, it was hilarious. You know, I, I, I couldn't ask any questions cause I, I made a comment to the lady. Oh, when the clothes didn't fit me, I go, Oh, I see you traded your, your, uh, so, uh, print model for your runway model. And she turns to me and she goes, you've never done runway. And I go, and I just, I, I laugh and go, stop. And I just played it off and went into the yeah. dressing room and I'm like, well, now I can't ask any questions no. because I have to pretend I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So thank God I've worked with one of the other models on a, on a shoot for Qualcomm and she kind of talked me through it. And again, I'm like, Luke, you're overthinking this. You just got to walk down there. Of course, right before we go, she goes, Oh guys, we're going to go pair. We're going in pairs. We're going to entrance pose. We're going to do a two full out pose, two quarter pose, and then single full out pose, single back pose, exit pose. And there's like, so like six times we have to like go walk out and do something. Right. And of course, girls that you're with, they have like these very dynamic little poses. And I'm like, I got one move, hand in the pocket. <laughs> like, that's all I got. And uh, in my mind, I'm like, I was out there for four hours on the end of that I thing. I saw a video. It looked like I went out there, touched a space and returned. And uh, so again, I was incredibly embarrassing. I thought it was hilarious. But in retrospect, I was like, I want to do another one because now yeah. I'm going to come like Zoolander next time. And I'm going to have more confidence to do it. And, and really, that's all it is. It's an opportunity to step out of my comfort zone and do something that um, would make me nervous. And I for think sure. well, then I better. Yeah, that's huge personal growth. That, that, I, I applaud you for that. That's incredible. I don't know if I'm going to, am I going to see you in Prague anytime soon? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, I don't think you are. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep my eye out. I'll the opportunity down there, but it's <laughs> from, a, from a skill standpoint, I don't think I was wowing anybody with my moves. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, well, Luke, again, truly, thank you so much. Um, if people want to reach out to you or even work with you, what's the best way to, to get a hold of you? Um, easiest way to livegreatlifestyle.com. Um, I have some free resources on there. I have what's called the, the lean body guide. It will kind of give you a breakdown of exercises, kind of more details on some of this stuff. Um, they, they should be able to connect with me through there. The podcast can be found on there as well. Um, so yeah, livegreatlifestyle.com and, and on social. Awesome. Luke, again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I truly appreciate you. I appreciate everything you do. And I, <clears throat> I really look forward to talking with you again soon. My pleasure, man. Thanks for uh, bringing me on to do this. Absolutely. One more time, I'd like to thank Luke for joining me on the podcast. Please make sure you check out the show notes for this episode. All of the links that Luke mentioned are in there. Check out the Live Great Lifestyle podcast. Check out the work Luke is doing out in San Diego. And if you have any questions about your health or wellness, please make sure you reach out to Luke. He's a great guy, very open and very willing to help out his fellow human being. Last but not least, if you're not already, please follow the Mosaic Life podcast on Instagram. It's at One Mosaic Life. 
We're also on Facebook too. Just search for the Mosaic Life Podcast. And one more time, I would be forever indebted to you if you would take just a couple moments of your time to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That helps me grow. That helps me give you better content. So it's a win-win situation. Thank you all so incredibly much for spending an hour of your time with me this week. I really, really appreciate it. And I look forward to joining you again in the future. But until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.